Um, we are doing a series this uh, year. It's going to run the entire 2023, and it's called Ancient Words, Relevant Truth, okay, or relevant for short. And what we're going to do is we're going to embark on something that we have never done at Riverridge Church, uh, is we're going to go through the entire Bible from beginning to end over the course of the year, from Genesis to Revelation, and we're going to do that on Sundays. There's an opportunity to do that on your own. There's an opportunity that some of the life groups are going to do this as well. Uh, and that's what 2023 is going to be about. Now, as I share that, some of you are probably super excited. You're like, that's great. I would love to take the Bible on in one year and really dive into it and kind of see what it says from beginning to end. And you're excited about that. But I also recognize that there's probably some of you who are, that's a little bit of a daunting task. You're like, whew, I'm kind of new to this Christianity thing, or that seems like a big bite. I'm not sure that I'm up for that. Um, and so I'd encourage you, as we talk about this morning, and I kind of lay the vision out, that you would at least be open to this idea of going through the Bible from beginning to end, and especially the reading of it on your own aspect. Now, before you jump into anything big, whether it be marriage or a new job or something like this of going through the Bible, we always want to ask the why question. Because if we don't have the why question figured out on the front end, then when we get into it, we'll be like, what am I doing? This is not what I signed up for. And so the question is, why would we want to read the Bible? Why would we want to go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? You know, is it for the knowledge is it because we can say, hey, I did this? Is it fun? Why read through the Bible from beginning to end? Well, we're going to find the answer in Luke chapter 24. So if you brought your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 24. And uh, you can open up on a phone app if you want, or if you brought your paper Bible, um, you can do that. But Luke 24, and here's the context of it. Uh, it's, it's after Jesus has been crucified and after he has risen from the dead. And so the, the goings-on are people know that Jesus has died and the tomb is empty, but they're not quite sure that Jesus has risen from the dead. And it's actually the exact same day that he rose from the dead, and people are trying to figure this out. So here's what's going on. This is Luke chapter 24, verse 13. <clears throat> it says, That very day... Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So there's two guys. They're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile walk. And as they're walking, Jesus comes alongside and begins to walk with them. But they don't recognize that is Jesus. It says, But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? Now, whenever Jesus asks a question, understand that Jesus is God, and Jesus always knows the answer to the question that he's asking. So he asked these two guys this question, Well, what are you talking about? Not because he doesn't know the answer but because he wants them to articulate or be able to express or maybe even sometimes in questions, think through the answer before giving it. So they say this, And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? 
And he said to them, and Jesus said to them, what things? And I love that Jesus does this. Are you the only one that doesn't know all that's happened in Jerusalem? Right? And they're going to tell him what's happened in a moment. You know, and he goes, what things are you talking about? I just love that he kind of plays dumb to let them articulate what they believe has happened in Jerusalem in the recent days. So then it says this. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And so they say, hey, there's, there's this guy, and he did all these things, and these deeds, and he talked, and he, and he said these things about God, and we thought that he was going to be the one, the Messiah, to redeem Israel. Now, their view of it was that he would be a conquering Messiah, that he'd be the one that would throw off the Roman rule, and the Jews would be free to have their own government and live their own way. That's what they had hoped for, but it didn't happen. Then they said this, said, yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And so the two disciples... Cleopas and this other person, they explained to you, they, they said, the tomb is empty. People have said it's empty, but we're not really sure what's going on. They're kind of confused about what's going on. They kind of heard that Jesus might be resurrected, but they're not sure if they buy into that. Or maybe the soldiers stole it. Maybe the Romans stole it. Maybe the disciples. They're not quite sure. And so then Jesus says this. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, inter, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. That's the key line that I want you to understand. Highlight that on your phone, underline that in your Bible. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. So Jesus goes through Moses, that's Exodus, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, through all the prophets, and he explains to them how all those prophets point to the Messiah. Now, from Jerusalem to Emmaus is about seven miles right? Or seven miles. And so that would take probably about two hours to walk. And so they had this two-hour sermon of Jesus unpacking everything from Genesis to Malachi about what was going on with the, with the Messiah and how all the scriptures spoke about the Messiah. Now, two hours sounds like a long time to listen, but I would imagine that they were absolutely riveted as he walked through Genesis to Malachi, saying, this is how it points to the Messiah. This is how it points to the Messiah. This is how it points to the Messiah. 
And it says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. You know, these two men, they most likely, we don't know particularly, but most likely they knew the stories of the Old Testament. They knew about Moses. They knew about Noah. They knew about Abraham. They knew parts of the book of the book of Isaiah. They knew about the prophet Joel. They knew about David. They knew, I mean, they knew a lot. But what happens is as Jesus unpacks all of these stories for them and how it points to the Messiah, their lives were transformed and they wanted to hear more about it. So they said, hey, why don't you stay with us? Here's what Jesus did. And here's what I want us to understand. This is how it fits into this relevant that we're going to do for this year. Is Jesus took all of the Bible that they knew and he said it all points to the Messiah. It all points to the Messiah. And that's what we want to see as we go through the Bible. That it all points to the Messiah. The one who said, I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets. The one who said, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. The one who said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. The one who said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The one who said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. All of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation tells a singular story, has a singular plot, has a central theme, and it all points to one character. And that person is Jesus Christ. And so we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, not for the knowledge that we gain, not to say that we did, not to put a check mark and say, hey, I did that one year. But we go through it to gain as much understanding of Jesus as we can, that we might know him more fully. That's why we go through the Bible. Now here's, at the end of this interaction with him, or near the end, it says this. It says, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. That's what we want. As we go through the Bible in these different ways, we want our eyes to be open so that we see Jesus. So that you see Jesus more clearly on December 31st, 2023, than you do today on January the 8th. That you would see Jesus, that your eyes would be opened. So here's what this is going to look like. Let me give you a bit of the nuts and bolts of what this is going to look like. So on Sunday mornings, uh, we're going to go through a passage of Scripture each week, beginning next week in Genesis chapter 1, and then uh, in December we'll be in the book of Revelation. Uh, and we're going to take one chapter, sometimes it'll be a chapter, sometimes it'll be a couple chapters, sometimes it'll just be a portion of a chapter, and we're going to go through that on Sundays. The other part, and this is where I really hope that you will jump in, is reading the Bible. And so we have put together a reading plan 
for you to read through the Bible in a year. Now, this is not a reading plan, just so you know. This is not a reading plan where you will read every single verse, every single chapter, every single book from beginning to end. That what we've done is we've basically said, hey, let's pick five chapters a week for all 51 weeks that remain between now and the end of the year and read those and read those together. Um, I have tried uh, to do the read the Bible in a year where you read every single verse from beginning to end. I've done it a number, or I've attempted it a number of times. I think I've only completed it one time. You just kind of get frustrated in it. If you want to go for that, man, absolutely give it a shot. Um, but this one I feel like will hit a lot of the highlights of what the Bible says, but also kind of some hidden gems and some things that you don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily read um, those hidden gems. I do want to let you know this, is the pace of this um, will be not the same, okay? Just so you, so you know this, right? So the, the reading plan will take you through at a certain pace, uh, and then the sermons will go at a certain pace, but they're not synced up. So sometimes the sermons will be ahead of the reading, and sometimes the reading will be ahead of the sermons, and sometimes it may be a week or it could be even a month ahead. So it's not like you got to read this week to be prepared for the sermon next week, or next week's sermon prepares you for the following week, just so you're clear on that. Um, as you leave here today, um, we have a uh, booklet for you to get, a reading plan. And by the way, if you're watching online, if you go to riverridge.church slash relevant, then you can find that, um, the reading plan, at least for the first uh, couple of months on there. So this is the reading plan. Um, Chris, can you take that off the screen for a second? All right. Ooh, can you take that off the screen too? Okay, close your eyes. <laughs> close your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay. Okay, on the count, close your eyes. You are looking, I see you. Close your eyes. Okay, you got to humor me on this, okay? On the count of three, you're going to spell out loud the word relevant. Okay, close your eyes. Okay, one, two, three. How many of you got it right? How many of you got it wrong? How many of you are afraid to admit that you got it wrong? Okay. So, God's Word is perfect, and this book is not. I've, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so, and I tell you, I mean, at least a dozen people, probably two dozen people have seen this before it went to print, after it's been to print, all that. Um, and so, at the top, it's spelled correctly, or it's incorrectly at the top. At the bottom, it is not spelled correctly or whichever way it is. I can't, I don't even know how to spell the dang word. I'm so confused. <laughs> anyway, um, but if that really bothers you, grab a Sharpie and you can change the E to an A um, and it will be a reminder um, that God's word is perfect and we are not. Um. And if this really bugs you, re I mean, this really bugs you, you have two options, right? Um, one is you can give us thousand dollars and we'll reprint these, right? The other option would be like, there's churches that have much better spelling around, and you're like, I need a church that spells better. Uh, you know, I'll help you find one of those, so. Anyway, all right. Um, so let's go back to this. So when you go out in the lobby um, at the end of the service, and we've got a couple more things we're going to do this morning, um, 
But grab one of these. Um, there's some that have three-hole punches in them, and there's some that don't. If you want to stick it in your Blue River Ridge binder, you can do that. If you want to pick up a Blue River Ridge binder, we've got some of those out at the table as well. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got some of those as well. It's a good readable version of the Bible. Uh, on the second or third page of this uh, devotion is uh, a way to read the Bible to help you to get the most out of it. And it's what we call the SOAP method. It stand, it's an acronym that stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Uh, and my friend J.D. Gandy has done this faithfully for a couple of years, and so I asked him to share a little bit about the SOAP method, what it is, and how it has blessed him. So check out this video. Hi, my name is J.D. Gandy, and uh, I was asked to talk about the form of scripture study that I use, which is called the SOAP method. I'm really excited about this. I uh, learned it um, a couple of years ago, just before COVID came in. My uh, mentor uh, demonstrated how to do this, and I took off with it. So you might ask, what is the SOAP method? Well, it's simply S-O-A-P. The S means scripture. So I go to a scripture and I ask God, God, what is it that you want to show me? Sometimes I have to read it a section twice so that I know what um, scripture God is really trying to talk to me about. So then I write down that scripture. Then the O is the observation. What is it that I see? What is it God, not, not so much what I see, but what is God showing me in this scripture that I need to see. A is the application. How does this apply to my life? And so I'll write something down that uh, is relevant to today. What, what is it that uh, relates to where I am right now? Or something that I've been concerned about or something I've been joyous about or I've wondered about and I uh, write that down. Then the last one is P which is prayer. And I uh, then take time to pray to the Lord and either thank Him for His Word or um, ask Him for help or just to praise Him. Sometimes it's just to praise Him for the, the majestic Word that He's given me today. The neat thing about this and why I love the SOAP method is because now, after I've been doing it for a while, I mean, I've got soap after soap after soap after soap, is that I see it almost like a treasure hunt. I, I know that every day God wants to show me something. He wants to teach me something. He wants to warn me about something. He wants to correct me on something. <clears throat> and it's my job to dig into the scripture and find out what it is. I used to sort of tolerate scripture. I believed it. I knew it was the word of God, but I didn't really want to have too much to do with it. But now, I really love digging into God's Word. This has become precious to me. It's not just the Bible anymore. It's not just even saying it's Scripture. It is truth to me. It is what God speaks to me about uh, through the SOAP method. And it works, so I continue to use it. If I don't do my SOAP study, then I feel like I've really missed something, like I've missed a meal or like uh, I've missed uh, an exciting adventure that I could have done and I didn't do it and that uh, is always disappointing. If you um, wonder how you can get into God's Word and if you'd like to 
enjoy what I'm enjoying, I would highly encourage you to try the SOAP method of scripture study. It's absolutely great. I've done it for a few years now. I continue to do it every morning and I challenge you to give it a shot. Of course, if I can help you, just let me know. Thanks for letting me share and I uh, look forward to this year of studying scripture with the SOAP method. So I um, encourage you uh, to pick one of those up. Uh, and if you go to that riverridge.church uh, slash relevant, you have to spell it correctly to find the webpage. Um, there's some other resources there. We're going to have a Facebook group, um, just some different things uh, to continue this all throughout the year. So I want to return to the story. Uh, when their eyes were open. So Cleopas and his friend invited Jesus to stay with them. And then it says this. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now I'm speculating a little bit on this. But I wonder when he was recognized, when they recognized him, was when he gave them the bread. So imagine this, picture this, and again, I'm speculating that this was the exact moment, but Jesus takes the bread, and he breaks a loaf of bread, and he gives one to Cleopas, and he gives one to the other. But as he gives them the bread, and they take the bread from his hand, what would be revealed at that point in time? The nail prints in his hand, the scars in his hands. And I wonder if that was the moment that was their aha moment. Their eyes were open and it all came together for them. I want 2023 to be an aha year for us, that our eyes are opened. And so the way I want to begin this this morning is by taking communion together. Cleopas and his friend were breaking bread with Jesus and we're going to break bread together and remember communion. And remember the Lord's death. So Jesus spoke to them for about two hours, going through all of the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, pointing to himself. I want to do that. I'm not going to take two hours, but maybe about two minutes. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. Those verses talk about Jesus. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That's us. We have wandered from God's path. We have left God's path to follow our own path. That's called sin. Yet the Lord laid on him, that's Jesus, the sin, the iniquity of all of us. That verse in Isaiah points to Jesus and also points to us that we have strayed from God, that we have sinned. And so Jesus came to earth to pay the penalty for our sin. When we take communion, it is a remembrance of that truth, that Jesus paid a penalty for us that we could not pay for ourselves. And so this morning as you take communion, I encourage you to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and that God had that planned a long time ago 
that Jesus would die 2,000 years ago, that you would sit here and remember that your salvation is not based on anything that you have done, is based solely on what Jesus did for you. As we take communion this morning, you don't need to be a believe, you don't need to be a member of River Church uh, or even a regular, but we do ask that you are a believer in Christ. And if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, then maybe this morning would be the day that you would do that. That you would say, I can't earn my way into heaven. I need to trust Jesus as my Savior. And take the time to meditate, to continue to consider your sin. And I would even encourage you this morning to be as specific as you can. Instead of just saying, yeah, I sinned, I've sinned, maybe recall the ways that you have sinned, the ways that you have wandered down or gone down your own path instead of God's path and confess that to him. If you're new to River Ridge Church, no one will say, now's the time to take the bread or now's the time to take the cup. But when you've taken some time just in your own heart to remember and to reflect, I encourage you to take the bread and the cup. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to slow down and to reflect on the cross. And all of Scripture points to the cross and to the resurrection, the central event in all of human history. And God, as we have this moment together now, I pray that you would bring to mind the sins that we have committed and that we would know that you died on the cross for our sins, that we might know you and be in relationship with you. God, let us remember with confession, but also remember with thankfulness of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.